Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into this study. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your mercy and your goodness and your love. We ask you to give us wisdom and understanding as we enter into your word. Help us to rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's study is entitled, The Third Day. The Third Day. And our verse for this study is Luke 24, 21. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this... Today is the third day since these things were done. Okay. Third day. There's a lot I want to cover today. Hopefully we can do it expeditiously. In the key principles of Bible study, there is a principle which says that instruction comes by way of principles and commandments right? Precept and example. A lot of times people are hung up on interpreting, understanding, evaluating the scripture to derive principles so that they can go about what is right and what is wrong. These are the kinds of situations that cause people to get hung up on something like smoking, which is not directly identified in the scripture. But we have principles about how we should treat our bodies, how God views our bodies. And those principles allow us to understand that smoking and the use of illicit drugs is not in favor, not in harmony with God's will. So we've done the podcast on that. It is a direct principle that we've pulled out and, and uh, emphasized previously. But there's a principle that is related to it. And that principle is it's similar in the sense that there are things that you present to people and they say, where do you find that in the Bible? And again, God's word gives us certain details point blank. But other details, it gives us indirectly. It is not an illegitimate use of the scripture to come to conclusions where you're given all the facts, but not all in one place. Right? As an example, if you want to know what took place on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and day seven of creation week, they are explicitly outlined in scripture. The activities of the day are mentioned and the number of the day is mentioned. There's no way to go wrong. If someone says, oh, what happened on the fourth day? You can say sun, moon, were were created, stars were assigned um, responsibility for the night like the moon was. Okay, you can say that because it's there. 
If someone says, what day were the fish? You can say when the fish were, because it is outlined and it tells you that it's the fifth day. But there are other things that are not given in that same way. For instance, there's no place in the Bible that will tell you, and Abraham was 10 years older than Sarah. But at certain points, it tells you his age, and it tells you her age. Now, those may look like simplistic examples, but there are a lot of things in the Bible that are given to us that people don't get because they can't understand how it is provided, or they say that the Bible doesn't say that specifically. So we're going to take one of those as an example. I have heard disputes recently about what day Christ rose from the dead. And in fairness, I shouldn't say recently. I've heard them again recently, but they aren't completely recent. I have heard old disputes which have centered on the fact that Christ was in the tomb for three days and three nights, and it couldn't have been a Friday, and lots of things like that. We're going to show from the scriptures what day it was that he rose from the grave. I will briefly give a flat-out answer to some of the other things, but we will do studies on them later. Okay? So, while it may not seem fair that I'm not covering those others in depth, I'm giving you the right answer in depth today. We're going to go through that from the Word of God. And then the wrong answers, we're just going to address in a kind of perfunctory way. So, most of the arguments for Passover not falling on a Friday in AD 31, or for that not being the year, or any of those other things, fall back to the era of using a lunar calendar or assuming certain things about lunar calendars. I've heard people suggest that the Passover was always on a new moon, but this is not possible because God gave Israel a 30-day calendar and the cycle of the moon is just shy of 29 days. Right? This is why we have leap days and why in, in ancient times the Hebrews had leap months. Periodically they'd get a whole extra 30-day month in a year in order to balance out the, the gradual um, erosion of time as related to the moon. The new moon does not occur on the same numbered day of the month each month because the numbers, the number of days in a month is not equal to the cycle of the moon. And that partly because the cycle of the moon is not equal to an even number of days. Any theory that you hear, any theory about any calendar or any feasts of the Lord or anything that relies on the same day of the month each month being, or each year, right? Because Passover is not going to fall on the same day each year either. It's always going to be the 14th day of the first month. But what day of the week that turns out to be will be different because of the number of months. It's the same reason why your individual birthday does not show up on the same day of the week in consecutive years. Okay? Granted, we have a weirder calendar, our calendar is, um, you know, some days 30, some days 31, and then there's February with, with the 28, 29 business. 
but the same principle applies for any months that aren't 28. If all of our months in a calendar were 28, then the first would be the same day of the week as it is um, all throughout the year. You see that every year that's not a leap year in a Gregorian calendar, right? All of the days of February and all of the days of March up to the 28th are the same day of the, of the week. In a leap year, it's not because of the 29 business. Okay, so first point, which I've already belabored more than I wanted to. Anything that tries to calculate when, which year Christ died based on a lunar calendar is false, wrong, flawed. Okay. The next thing. In the Bible, remember our title is the third day. And the reason why it's the third day is because there's a place where Christ talks about and in three days. Okay, the sign of the prophet Jonah. So let's look at one of those passages very briefly. And we're going to pick the one that has the best answer. Okay, in Luke eleven thirty to 32, Christ says, For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South shall rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the utmost part of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So he compares himself to Solomon. Verse 32, The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. So, the three days, three nights comparison is not about the time that Christ is spending in the grave or dead or anything of the sort related to the crucifixion. It had everything to do with his ministry. That three days and three nights was prophetic time, and it represented 3.5 years. And you can see here that it speaks of hearing the wisdom of Solomon, preaching of Jonas. That's what's compared to Christ in the three days, three nights. Okay? We'll do a separate study on that where we can belabor it, but we're not belaboring it now. Okay. Now, Christ says, if you want to look at the, in, the number of times, which I should have counted before I did this, but one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. There are 12 instances where Jesus talks about the third day. And then there are two more instances in the Bible, once in Acts 10.40 and once in 1 Corinthians 15.4, that refer back to uh, what Jesus had said. Okay? Once by Peter, once by Paul. Uh, and by the way, one of the times in here is, is not actually... Um, geez, all 12 aren't Jesus. I stand corrected. All 12 of them aren't Jesus. One of them is, from our memory verse, is um, a couple of his disciples who are reciting it. Okay? And one of them should be 
the apostles, uh, there we go, Matthew 27, 64, which says, Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So everybody knew that it was the third day. Okay, so how do we define the third day? Well, Christ said something really interesting, okay? Really interesting. Someone had mentioned something about Herod to him. And in Luke 13, 32, this is how he defines the third day. And he said unto them, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Right? Today, tomorrow, third day. First, second, third day. He defined it. How do you get to the third day? Today is the first day. Tomorrow is the second day. And then there's the third day. He defines it right there in that passage. Okay? You can read the rest of the of the times where he says, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And the chief priests and the scribes shall kill him, and he be raised again the third day. And the third day he shall rise again, and be raised the third day. And the third day I shall be perfected. And the third day he shall rise again. And then he says to them when he's speaking to the folks on the road to Emmaus, thus it is written and thus it behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is what he says. Okay? This is what he says. Later, Paul, uh, Peter says, him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 4, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay. The third day. Now, Jesus already defined the third day in his response to, um, to the disciples about Herod. But we're going to deal, we're going to, um, we're going to calculate it. We're going to use a modern scenario to help you. Okay. And here's the scenario. Let's say that I decide I'm going to host a multi-day birthday party for my son. Now he'd like that because his birthday is June the 4th. Um, but he was away, so I couldn't do it. But let's say that I was going to do it. Okay. Let's say that I was going to do it. Now his birthday, <laughs> what makes it awesome for us is that this year his birthday is on Friday. Okay. But I won't, I won't do that because we're not going to have a multi-day party that, that falls into the Sabbath hours. So I'm not going to do that. But let's say that we decided to do a multi-day party for him and we started on Tuesday the first. All right. Let's say that we started on Tuesday the 1st, just as an example. Tuesday, June the 1st, start off the, the month. And so Tuesday would be the first day of the party. And the second day of the party would be Wednesday the 2nd. And the third day of the party would be Thursday the 3rd. It wouldn't matter what time we had started the party on Tuesday. We could have started the party at, um, you know, we could have started it late in the day. We could have started it early in the morning. It wouldn't matter 
The first day of the party would still be Tuesday. The second day would be Wednesday. And the third would be Thursday. Now, from a Bible perspective, we have one extra caveat. Today, if I'm doing the party, I could say, oh, it wouldn't matter. We could start at nine o'clock in the evening and it would still be Tuesday. And in modern, the modern way that we look at time, sure. But biblically, I wouldn't be able to do that, right? If I were to set up this multi-day party from a biblical standpoint, I would have to start that party before sundown on Tuesday. Otherwise, officially, it would be Wednesday. So let's, let's be biblical here. Tuesday, we're in the summertime, sunsets where we live right now at about a quarter to nine. So let's say that I started this party Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. And Tuesday at 6 p.m., I start this party. Tuesday is the first day of the party. Wednesday is the second day of the party. Because we're dealing with Bible times, any time after sunset on Wednesday is the next day, right? That's how Genesis defines it. That's how the Bible uses it throughout. Any time after Wednesday at sundown would be the beginning of the third day. Okay? So it wouldn't be surprising if you met, if you read something like what we see in Matthew 28, 1, where it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. If you look through the Gospels, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 23, and 24, and John 20, we'll find that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early while it was yet dark, just before the sun rose, and they found that Jesus was missing, right? And that doesn't create a problem for us because we, in Bible times, we're not looking at sunrise to indicate when the day starts or midnight. We're looking at sunset of the previous day, right? Evening and morning are the X day, first, second, third, etc. So Jesus could have arisen any time after sunset. Any time after sunset. We know he arose early in the morning, right? We know he arose sometime before sunrise. Because he always rose up before sunrise. Historically, he, his history, as you read it in the Bible, he always got up before sunrise to pray. So he got up before sunrise. We know that. And we know that because he's waiting for Mary and he has that discussion with her and he has not yet gone to the Father. So it's not reasonable to think that he sat around for hours and hours and hours and hours not going to the Father to confirm the sacrifice was good and just waiting on Mary. It makes much more sense that he got up somewhat before she got there, but not four or five hours before. Third day. We know that he was crucified on the sixth day, the preparation day, which we would call Friday today. That was the first day since these things were done. The Sabbath they rested according to the, to the commandment. That's what Luke 23, 56 says. They rested according to the commandment. Christ rested also. That was the second day since these things were done. 
on the first day of the week. His disciples were sorrowful and saying, we thought that this had been the Messiah. And this is the third day since these things were done. The Bible tells us. So here's an example where all of the information we need is given against multiple, across multiple passages. There's no place in the Bible that says, and Jesus rose early on the first day of the week. But he told us 10 times that he would be crucified and that on the third day he would rise again. He told us this. His crucifixion is pretty clear. We know that it happened on preparation day or Friday because of the verses that we, we read there. Okay, Each one of the Gospels covers it. All four of the Gospels cover it. Okay, Jesus told us in advance how to calculate the third day. He said, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. He told us how to count the third day. Today is the first day. Tomorrow is the second day. The third day is the day that immediately follows that. The Bible gives us these answers. God says, come, let us reason together. The disciples spent a lot of time reasoning from the scriptures, disputing with one another, even though the word dispute doesn't have the, the negative connotation that it has today. They reasoned together from the scriptures. Okay, don't expect everything in the Bible to just be handed to you as here's the number two and this is an apple. Therefore, there are two apples. Sometimes there's going to have to be one apple and another apple. As an example, here's another example. Okay. If you were to ask someone, how many times did the Apostle John fall on his face in the presence of glory, the Bible shows three times, twice in the book of Revelation, but once in the Mount of Transfiguration. The interesting thing about the Mount of Transfiguration is he isn't named other than when Jesus says, when the Bible says that Jesus took up the three disciples to go up there with him, right? Peter, James, and John went up. Peter talks up there, no mention of John is made, but when the cloud overshadows them and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him, all three of them fall on their face. John is not named there, but he's named going up. He's named with Christ as going up there. You don't need him to be named again to logically and reasonably conclude that he also fell down because of the glory and the fear that he had there. You don't need to see it explicitly named. You don't need to see him explicitly named as falling down to reasonably conclude that if he went up there and all three of them were on their face because of fear, that he was one of the three. Okay? Let us be reasonable. God God promises to give us wisdom if we ask it. 
And it requires wisdom to go through God's word. It's not just going to be handed to you. It's not an encyclopedia. It's not a dictionary. The word of God is a lot more like a treasure map than either of those two things. The Bible gives us every opportunity to come to the right conclusion about what day Jesus died and what day he was resurrected because it gives us the third day, information about the third day, multiple ways. And Christ himself defines for us how that third day should be interpreted. Luke 24, 21 says, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding. We thank you for the depth and majesty of your word. Help us, Lord, to apply ourselves. Help us to seek for wisdom if we're having trouble to dealing with the various things that we find. And may we rightfully divide your words of truth each time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also ask that you take some time to check out the True Wisdom Bible Study Podcast, which is presented in a discussion format. Both of these podcasts can be found on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. And don't forget to lift up these ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word. Thank you.